is the person you turn to when you need advice, the person who gives you confidence and strength, the person who's been your biggest support, the person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly. For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Hi, Ma. Hi, Dal. How are you? I'm good. To let everyone in on a little secret, we're recording this, no surprise, not on a Monday morning when you get your um, episode drop, but um, we're recording late at night and I'm spending the night back at mum and dad's. It's nice. Happy. Because at 36 years old, I cannot spend the night by myself, even though... Everyone's like, are you so excited? Because just so you know, my husband's taken both the kids camping for the weekend. Best of luck. Um, And everyone's like, oh, aren't you going to enjoy your weekend alone? And I was like, yes, until I go to bed and then I need to have somebody. (laughs) Yeah. So. So we tonight and you've got somebody else coming tomorrow night. A friend coming up for her birthday. So happy birthday, Claire. Um. To stay with me for the night because, yes, at 36, I cannot spend the night alone, even though I have a husband and two kids. Well, it's very mature. Welcome back. Thanks, Ma. Glad to have you, as always. I always have a a bedroom here, so that's always exciting. Yes. If I need it. Always welcome. Yes. Even though I think Tad would prefer if the boys were staying rather than me, but anyway. Anyway, we get a lot. We get enough of the boys, so it's nice to have you for a change. Well, I won't wake you at... The crack of dawn. No. And demand breakfast and demand TV. Yes. No. None of that. No? Okay. So I'm a good guest. I'll I'll be able to come back. Yes. (laughs) Easier. Um, So you were giving me news about Sex Sex in in the the City. city. Well, you you said a bit of interesting information. Oh, yeah. Um, Cynthia Nixon and Sarah Jessica Parker actually met on set and I don't know what year it was, but they were child actors and starred in a, I think it was a movie, not a TV show, together. So it's just incredible that how their lives, how got their back. lives have gone mm. back. And I think it is on Cynthia Nixon's Instagram and I'll share it on ours so you can see it. It was like one of those, you know, how it started, how is, how's it going? Um, and I love seeing all the updates on the streets of New York of the new series coming. Yes. And just like that. Be amazing. When, when is it When is it starting? I, I think December. Oh, I really? I want to say December. Oh, be amazing to It'll see. It'll be amazing. And you were saying how. Well, I was just saying how I noticed. And, yes, that Sarah Jessica Parker, as much as, you know, she still looks stunning, stunning. but she is obviously um, happy to show her age, you know, that she's not trying to look like she was mm. when she was first started, first started in yeah. her 30s. Yeah. That it's nice to see that, you know, she just is aware of her age mm. and, and the show isn't about her 
pretending that she's 30. Yeah, and not putting a that halo filter no, over her. No, and she doesn't look like she's had a lot of, I mean, uh, you know. Work done. Work done, mm. uh, you know, and, and it's nice to see that on, on TV when yeah. they are actually the age, age that age they appropriate. are. Mm. Although she was saying during the week how misogynistic it is because they don't talk about that with men, ma- male actors. No. Exactly. That they talk about their age and, oh, how amazing that they look like themselves. I mean, you'd see George funny. Clooney and you'd say, oh, my God, he's still so handsome. Yeah. But- and he can have grey hair and no one no. bats an eyelid. No, but it's, it's, it's sort of a shock when you see a woman uh, who has grey hair and yeah. is sort of Proud embracing about, it, yeah, exactly. Proud mm. about it and not shying away from it. Yeah, um, yes. Uh, it's different standards, unfortunately. Yes, not going to change overnight. But uh, and she also actually said that this is it. Oh, I can understand that. They're yeah. not. I mean, no going back. They're not coming back in their seventies. I guess no. no. But this really is the last mm. hurrah. So yeah, it's great for all us Look Sex and the to. City fans. Yes, yeah. get ready. We'll keep talking about it. Don't you worry. Um, but on today's or this week's episode, I should say, we have a a different mother and daughter story. A very happy ending mother and daughter story, but a very different, but quite a journey getting there. Yeah. Mm. So without giving too much away, Sue found out she was pregnant, she was quite young, and this was in 1970. Um, oh, and actually I, I know I said it in the in the episode, it reminded me of Sally's book that I was reading. Sally, if you haven't heard Sally's episode with us, have a listen. She's a great author. And in her book it was also about a woman in the 1970s who had to go to a girl's home because she was pregnant out of wedlock. Um but decided to keep the baby. Whereas in this story, Sue realized that Naomi, her biological daughter, would have a better life if she gave her up for adoption. Well, I think it was also the era that, Mm. you know, she had, I mean, she said in the episode, and you'll listen, uh, that she thought about it. She did. She thought she could keep. But at 18 and she you know, was a model and, you know, had a career ahead and and it just was sort of told to her that it's no, a better, it's, a better, it's outcome. better outcome. And and her parents weren't supportive. supportive which is sad, you know, it's sad um, when you think about it because today, I mean, not to say that all parents would be supportive, that still isn't always the case, but but they wouldn't be shouted off and, and hidden, no, and not talked about, and and just kind of, yeah, have swept under, swept the, carpet. under the carpet, and as if it never happened, mm. and, and move on from there. But the happy ending is obviously twenty years later when the laws changed. They both were registered to be contacted, and they pretty much did it at the same time. at the same time yeah. and found each other and have been in each other's lives ever since and has made Naomi's son have i think 14, 14. grandparents yeah, no, or something was, crazy was, like that yeah. it's a, look we might have to ask Naomi for a family tree yes because yes. It's, there's it's a too, lot too, of people yeah. you'll you'll realize when you first hear um her backstory and growing up in 
just in, a, in, in America in and America, then coming here. Coming here yeah. and Armadale. Anyway, <clears throat> we may get her family tree because I know her son has done one and it might help us all just visualise the family. Yes. But, but it's an incredible story. Really it's is. incredible, I think, even to just imagine that Naomi was born to a single mother mm. but now uh, who has obviously, as we said, reunited with her mother and stepfather mm. but um, and met her biological father but Naomi's got this unbelievably extended family. family. So from this girl who was adopted out has mm. now got one of the largest families I think I've ever heard about. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible and the fact that they've all got still a great relationship with each other. Yeah. Um, obviously not everyone being able to get together in recent times. And in different countries. And in different countries and different states and things like that. But regardless, um, it's a nice it's a nice um, happy ending, I guess yes, is I'll the say. best way. Yeah, lovely, Just, lovely story. Very lovely story. And we thank them for being so open and honest about it because it's not always something that Sue – talks about. Um, she doesn't want this story to define her or Naomi for that matter, but it's an incredible story to share, just a very different mother and daughter story, which mm. we love being able, being to, able bring, to bring. To bring to, yes, yeah. all of our listeners. So thank you to Sue and Naomi and um, hope you enjoy. Okay, so to start off with, can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves? Um, well, my short answer um, is I'm an Australian. I grew up in the States. I moved back to Australia. I went backpacking. I married an Australian. I lived in Armadale, Brisbane, Sydney, and now Wagga. Um, I'm a mix. I'm made up of Australian, Filipino, Spanish, Portuguese, Chinese, Scottish, um, and that's it. Heritage. Just a few. Um, and I have cultural I have cultural influences from the states, Australia, Mexico, and Switzerland. And I have fourteen parents. So they include my birth parents, my adoptive parents, my step parents, my host parents, my in-laws, my ex-laws, and Sue is my number one. Oh, that's, that's so nice. That's that lovely. Wow. It's a lot of a lot of family there. <laughs> yeah. Big yes. family tree. So my background's obviously a little bit more simple, Australian born and bred, uh, the same parents, and uh, I, we moved around quite a little bit as a kid and uh, ended up in, eventually, you know, I moved around as well as an adult, eventually ended up in Queensland and uh, Basically, I suppose I approach you know who I am through what I do a lot to, as well because um, uh, that sort of influenced a lot of who I am. So I guess I'm about in my third career now, but I work as a, uh, an image consultant and a personal brand consultant and work mainly with uh, professional women and um, in businesses. And uh, so I do a lot of communication, visual, verbal and vocal communication, all of that sort of thing. And, uh, yes, yeah, so that's a little bit about who I am. And I guess, so what was your childhood like, if we can start off with that? 
it, it was um, it was uh, it was fun. It was loving. It was just a fairly normal childhood, I suppose. Uh, as I said, I had just uh, you know the two parents. We we actually I was born in Melbourne. Family moved up to Queensland. I come from a fairly big family. Um, there's five of us, so there was siblings, which was uh, which was fun. Two older brothers, and then there was a gap and a couple of younger ones. So we moved around a lot. Uh, it was always happy, but we moved around a lot when my dad was looking for work a lot. So we never had any money and he was always looking for work, that sort of background. But it was a happy. Uh, we also did, you know, had the beach holidays and, you know, bundled up the kids in the car and would go to some beach shack somewhere. So it was, it was um, you know, it was an interesting, that was just a fairly normal, basically, growing up um, uh, in Queensland childhood. And I guess, Naomi, the same question, what was your childhood like? Yeah, well, I grew up in Bend, Oregon, um, so it's a mountain mountain town. Um, I grew up skiing, hiking, uh, biking, so a lot of outdoor activities. Um, Cross-country skiing on a Sunday with the family was something that we did. I had three older brothers, so I'm the youngest and only girl. Um, I grew up with two of the brothers and one brother lived in Australia. Um, my parents both worked full time. Um, they had their own business, an art gallery and frame frame store. Um, so they were quite busy working six days a week. Um, I went to a public um, primary, junior high and high school. Um, and then once I reached my adolescence and teenage years, things went a little bit crazy. Um, so younger years was great. Adolescence was more challenging. Um, but yeah, my family, my family's still over there in the States. And, um, and then I came, came over here in the 90s. And your brothers are still? Oh. So I have one brother in Portland, Oregon, and another brother in South Lake Tahoe in California. And then my other brother is in Armadale in New South Wales, where I lived until I was three. Nice. Do you get to, have you seen your brother who lives in Armadale? Obviously, it's not so easy to get to the States these days. I saw him a couple of, oh, maybe about a year ago, actually, um, between lockdowns, he, him and his partner came through Wagga and came and stayed with us on their way to his stepdaughter's um, place down in Bendigo. Um, so he came and had a couple of days here, um, staying with uh, us at the homestead, which he'd never been to before, so um, or he'd never stayed at before. So that was good. But I don't get up to Armadale as much anymore. My adoptive mother, who did live there, um, she passed away five years ago now. Oh, so I used to go up and see her, but um, I haven't, I don't think I've been up actually since her funeral. So, mm. Mm. yeah. And Naomi, if we can sort of, I guess, jump to it. When did you find out about your adoption? I always knew. So my parents at the time um, that were together who adopted me, they must have told me right when I was little, like I always knew I was adopted. So I never, they know, I don't remember them having that conversation with me. I just always knew that I was adopted. 
and it was never a problem or an issue or anything for me. Um, and I only ever got teased, you know, when I was little a couple of times by people. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, knew, I always knew and it, it and I was always curious about where I came from. And with your brothers, do you feel like they, you know, obviously knowing from such a young age, do you feel like because it was an open dialogue from such a young age that your brothers were just like, yep, this is like exactly what it, exactly what our family's supposed to be and never really had a conversation about it, I guess. Yeah, the family was a blended family, really, from um, the beginning because my parents, who adopted me, had two sons, natural sons, and then they adopted me as they wanted a daughter of Asian background. And then they divorced and remarried another couple that divorced and they swapped partners and remarried each other. And so that's how I have had a stepbrother who I grew up with. So right from the beginning, it was me, my stepbrother and one brother in the States. And then my other brother was in Armadale. So they separated the two natural boys and myself and my stepbrother ended up in in Oregon with our parents. Um, so we sort of had a bit of a blended family right from the beginning. So we were, it was kind of normal for us um, that there was a lot of people involved and <laughs> parents involved and travel involved back and forward from Australia to this, to um, Oregon growing up. Yeah. I guess it sounds like, as you know, if ever there was obviously a lot of love to share. So blended or not blended it you know it was obviously like a it's sort of nice to have a big family incidentally in that way yeah no, yeah definitely we we always had places you know we had lots of lots of people who loved us lots of grandparents lots of places to go um and yeah so we we ended up traveling quite a bit bet- between Oregon Australia and then also Switzerland because my grandparents were in Switzerland. So, um, yeah, we were lucky in that aspect. And it was mostly myself and my stepbrother because we were closest in age. We were only a year and a bit apart from each other, whereas the other two were like seven and eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, And so I guess sort of to go back for you, when did you find out? that you were pregnant and then obviously on this this different journey of what your career uh, had started out with because you were modeling at the time was that right yeah yeah so i was modeling at the time and i went uh, uh on a big trip to the philippines and it was a modeling trip and so there was half a dozen of us girls that were over there for six weeks and uh, we were you know wined and dined and fated and had a had a wonderful time and of course i was very young and uh so that's when i met uh, naomi's father and uh we had a you know a summer romance so to speak and uh he came out to australia and visited me and, you know, 
next thing that you know is uh, that uh, several months later I found out that I was pregnant. Yeah. What was your initial reaction at the time? Because obviously that wasn't, you know, without it wasn't planned, obviously, as, you know, you didn't expect it being, you know, sort of at the height of your career. And obviously a very different era as opposed to now where it's, depending on your family, obviously, a little bit more acceptable. Yeah. 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 I was obviously a bit of horror and, uh, you know, my goodness, how did this happen? (laughs) We all know how it happens. Uh, But, yeah, it was was uncomfortable and um, having to talk about it uh, and be open about it and, uh, yeah so it was it wasn't a shock I suppose but because we all know how it happens but you also think well this will never happen to me and you know there wasn't much alternatives back then either so even though you know I thought about different things that there just really wasn't sort of any any many options so um and of course you know I approached the, the father and spoke to him but he wasn't on the scene he was back in the Philippines and he was also very young so there wasn't really any even though maybe I fantasized about us getting together and being a happy family it, it wasn't an option so yeah so it was a bit of a shock and it was upsetting at the time oh, of course honestly I can't imagine and after giving birth to your beautiful daughter um did you talk to your parents about it or or was it it was it just like how, how did how did everybody um, cope with it? You know, move on with it. How they react? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I was I was living at home in uh, in Brisbane, and uh, so I had to eventually tell tell them, or more or less, my mother. Um, you know, figured it out and asked me, and of course by then. You know, uh, it was obvious that I was pregnant and uh, so we, we did discuss it and basically the parents said well, that's it leave don't come back until you've had the baby mm-hmm. and uh, so so that was that was the decision that they made and so pretty much so, you know, very early on I, I packed my bag and moved off to Sydney and uh, so it was discussed then but it wasn't really discussed you know that was just the, the option and uh, you know go and uh, so it wasn't really until you know obviously I kept in touch with my mum and we spoke the whole time I was living in Sydney um, waiting to give birth to Naomi and then I did return back to Queensland and there still wasn't really much discussion then uh, I spoke you know, my mother was a little bit more understanding, I suppose, and you know, she obviously felt very sad and sorry because she saw how sad I was. And um, but you know, there wasn't really any discussion with my father about it until years later, of course, when we were reunited, and then we opened up the discussion again. Mm-hmm. So, when you went down to Sydney, who did you stay with? Because it's it's just such an, a fascinating thing. I was reading a book and it was a it was a fiction story, so it wasn't based on your your story, but it was also in 1971 she found out she was pregnant and was sent to this girl's home, I, I don't know, like effectively a girl's home. 
to wait until she had the baby and then was well in this in this story she actually decided to keep the baby so left left the girls home but I just was so interested to hear where you went because you were I mean you were young as much as you traveled overseas on your own but where did you go while you were living in Sydney um well, like you say, that's a fiction story, but it was actually reality. I'm sure. To a lot of people as yeah. well. And there was a TV series. Love Child. That called Love Child. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we interviewed. Which is all about that sort of yes. set in the 70s. Yeah. Well, one of them, I don't know if you caught up. One with, of our with, first was, interviews was with uh, um, Sophie, Sophie from that series. From, from that series, actually. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay, no, I missed that one. Okay. But, yeah, but, but, the, but the reality was, so um, so I went to Sydney. I caught the Greyhound bus with my bag, went to Sydney. I had a girlfriend in Sydney and uh, uh, so I stayed with her and her parents for about two weeks and um, then I basically uh, I got a job because, you know, it wasn't completely showing, um, just handing out leaflets in, a, in the street, sort of doing hostessy type, handing out leaflets, and uh, lived in a boarding house initially. And uh, so I was able to, to pay my rent and, uh, and, you know, survive, so to speak. And that was only for a short time until I did start to show. And I then, I did stay with a family down there for a little while. What they used to have back then was like au pair, but it wasn't really, it was yeah. slave labour. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I stayed with the family and uh, they, you know, put me up and basically paid for my board and lodging and I did the housework and looked after the children and things like that. It wasn't wasn't the whole house or anything, but but there was there was uh, domestic duties to do. So so I did that for a while until then I did move into um, the Royal uh, Women's Hospital at Paddington, which doesn't exist anymore, but no. the, the Royal Women's Hospital was a bit like the Crown Street Hospital, very similar, and it had a ward for un, unmarried mothers. So basically I went there, and this was a little bit towards the end, so maybe I was there for, I don't know, six weeks or something. Mm. And uh, uh, so I I lived there and they looked after all of the girls and, I mean, there was lots of us, you know, mm. maybe 40 of us there all at the same time. And uh, we, we, you know, we just lived there basically. We, we, didn't, we didn't have to do anything except make our beds and maybe we had daytime activities. We weren't uh, uh, there to, you know, clean or do yeah. anything like that. But uh, we were just living there. So basically it was, I guess, lodging. But, you know, we were there to await the birth of our children and um, and then move on from there. Can, can I ask, how did people treat you? Do, do, do you remember them being kind and considerate or or were a lot of people very judgmental, do you feel? Look, in the hospital they were they were quite kind and considerate. Uh, we had social workers and people that we, we would talk to and, you know, the doctors were were fine. Uh, so so there, there was that, um, you know, that day-to-day -day just being at the hospital. But I guess externally people did judge you. I mean, I didn't take much notice, mm. but if you went to a coffee shop or, mm. or put the bus somewhere in to, to have to go and catch the bus in to to have, uh, you know, when I was, particularly when I was living um, with this family, I'd have to catch the bus to go and have my, um, you know, examinations and things. And so, you know, people did look at you and wonder, mm. but, um, but no one obviously did anything 
obvious that was unkind. Oh, that's good. I mean, it's yeah, nice it's to nice, look yeah. back as opposed to it being, you know, obviously not a fond memory, but at least at least they weren't terrible memories of people, you know, treating you badly, which is nice no, to hear. I, I, and if there was something horrible, yeah, I would have remembered, but yes. nothing nothing like that. You know, just the odd look here and there. Mm. And, and I had, you know, I had my girlfriend down there. My, my One of my brothers was in and out of Sydney a little bit at that time. So, you know, I would catch up with him and we'd go and have coffee and do things like that. So so there were, there were times, I, you know, I was just waiting my time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And did you ever think, you know, I could do this on my own or was that in that day and age never really a consideration just because of the time? I think I I did think about it and I think it was probably more of a, you know, a fantasy, a wish rather than the reality. Mm. And the, you know, the reality was that, of course, I didn't have any money, didn't have any support, didn't have any family support, um, and the expectation was that, uh, you know, you would give up your child because um, that's just what you do. She would have a much or that person would have a much better life. Um, this is what you do, you know, you you you're help, helping other people who can't have children. or uh, So there was a lot of pressure um, and that came through from the hospital system mm. uh, probably more than anything and also the, 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 you know, the familial, the family kind of pressure to a certain extent. So there was a lot of external pressures around at the time. I mean, I did think about it and, uh, you know, I thought, you know, go back to, to modelling. Could I do that in Sydney? I was very young. I was just 18 and, you know, I did think, oh, maybe I could could do some modelling and, um, you know, manage. And, and I used to catch the bus and there used to be a um, childcare centre, um, I don't know where it is now, near the uh, Cook and Philip Pool, somewhere around mm. there. And I think, oh, well, that's okay, I could, you know, do that. So I thought about it and fantasised it more than probably, you know, made it a reality. Mm. Mm. What was the birth experience like? Because obviously you were in this sort of, in the hospital effectively with these other women for six weeks. Was it like a nice bonding experience or did, was everyone quite removed because they knew that like they were kind of waiting their time before having their babies? Uh, yeah, I don't, that was a little bit removed perhaps. Um, the birthing experience was pretty much typical back then you just had a an epidural and you put up in stirrups <laughs> so there was nothing like you know like a water birth or you know anything beautiful or you know lovely like that it was just you know you just went in it was quite but I think that was kind of typical of of that era and uh uh and you know, they then you know the baby was effectively taken away and put in a maternity ward. Um, you know, you did get to see her and hold her and things like that. But it was pretty perfunctory, and and it was, it, it, yes, it, there wasn't wasn't a lot of sympathy. Definitely not. Mm. <laughs> now, I mean, what's it like for you hearing the story back? I mean, obviously, this isn't the first time you're hearing it, but what's it like for you when you hear this story? about the sort of the start of, um, of your life? Well, there's, I mean, I haven't heard some of the details before in detail because the, 
the way you, you have asked open questions is going into more depth than I've heard before. So, I mean, it, it's interesting, and I also feel sad for Sue having had experienced that type of pregnancy and birth and giving up a child mm. um, because I've had a child, mm. so I know what I, I have some sort of understanding mm. of what that could be like. Mm. Um, and yeah, it does make me sad um, to hear, you know, how her parents treated her at the time. Um, and, but we have so many good outcomes from what happened mm. that I think it outweighs the, the, those times that just happened. So when did you decide that you would, cause obviously you both registered to find out about, to be contacted by each other. So how, how did that process happen? I guess for each of you? Well, I think we did it roughly about the same time. So the Adoption uh, Act changed so that you, because you weren't allowed to search before. Uh, so the Adoption Act changed in the early 90s and I, pretty much the day that it happened, I went to the Office of Birth, Deaths and Marriages and um, did a search and put my name down to say that yes. Uh, and, I, and I had a little bit of detail um, to sort of to go back there, to someone who was very kind in the hospital, one of the social workers. She did write to me afterwards and uh, she gave me a little bit of detail. She wasn't supposed to do that, but she could see that. You uh, wanted you know, to know a bit, mm, yeah. How I felt. Mm. And so she did write me this letter and gave me a little bit of detail. So I had a little bit of something to go on. And uh, so I, I started, I, I lodged my application and more or less started my search from there. Uh, but uh, I didn't know that I thought Naomi grew up in the country. I didn't know what country town, but I didn't know that she actually ended up going to the States. So basically from that day I, th I had to wait um, and, you know, I wrote letters to various people here and there. Um, but I had to wait a couple, I think it was nearly two years, uh, to actually hear what had happened. And then I got a call from um, someone from... Um, the you know this one of the social people that worked in that area hmm. and, and then well you can tell your story yeah <laughs> i was gonna say interesting to see from your yeah your perspective yeah well i um i just went and found the letter but i moved here in october 91 and yeah ni 1990 was the year the law passed so in 91 when i moved here i immediately registered also um and that was october and in november i received my first letter saying that all my um application had been received um and that they would be in contact and then in february 92 so three months later i got a letter um from the department of community services saying that they had a match um and they explained that there was um three options for the birth mother that she could either um, veto the meet, veto meeting and exchanging details or that second option, she's willing to exchange details but make no contact 
And third option was to, um, you know, get in touch with each other. So, um, so then at the same time, they sent me a copy of my birth certificate. So I actually have two birth certificates. So I had the one with my adoptive parents on it. And then I got a copy with Sue as the mother and the father was unnamed and I was unnamed. So that's always nice to have up my sleeve, to have that extra little birth certificate there. <laughs> um, and then they, um, a lady called and she said, um, she said, oh, we, you, you know, we've got a match and she would like to meet um, and exchange details. Would you like to do the same? And I agreed to that. Um, and that was on a Monday. Um, no, that was on a Wednesday, I remember she called. And then on the following Friday, um, Sue organized. So actually, no, sorry. So on the Monday, she called. On the Wednesday, we agreed to phone each other. Um, so Sue called me and we had a long conversation. It was probably about two hours, two to three hours. Mm -hmm. And we just talked and, um, you know, asked if each other a bunch of questions and um and then she said you know do you want to meet and I said yes and then on the I think it was that Friday um she flew up from Wollongong to Armadale where I was for our first meeting um so yes we agreed to go out to dinner and um so I was waiting for her to come to the house where I was living. And, um, and yes, she, uh, I was like peering out the window. Yeah, waiting. I'm sure. Mm. And, um, she, yeah. Cause I can, so, I have to yes. ask, cause obviously <laughs> you knew from such a young age that obviously you were adopted cause your, your parents were very open about it. Did you ever picture what your birth mum looked like like did you you know in your mind you can't help it I don't know how many how much detail you would have known but did you ever have an image of her in your mind no well I I was given a few details and I don't know how my parents got the details but the information that I had that I that I had was that Sue was young that she had been a model and that she was blonde so I, I, I knew those three things. So I always, that's all I knew. Um, and I knew I was um, part Filipino too. So I always wondered why I looked the way I did. Um, and, you know, what my parents looked like, what Sue looked like, what my father looked like, where my hair color and my olive skin came from. Um, but I never expected um, when the, the day that we met for Sue to look like, like I never had an image of yeah. how she was going to look in my, in my mind. So, yeah. It must have been was very an amazing meeting. Very oh, it was. Gosh. <laughs> can't, can't, can't imagine what it would have been. Like. It was, it was. Oh, sort of 
Tip. Yeah, it was great. We, yeah. you know, it was, I, I, it was kind of nervy to begin with. I think for both of us, and um, and when she said she peeked out of the window, no, I, I saw her peek out of the window, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I guess I was instantly struck that there was a family resemblance, even though you know, obviously Naomi's half Australian, half Filipino, but I could see some you know facial structure and certain characteristics that I that was kind of my immediate first impression was uh, she look, looked like part of the family mm. and obviously very attractive. And, um, and yeah, so I think, you know, it, it went spoken, as Naomi said, which I think broke the ice to a certain extent. For and sure. then it was, um, um, you know, we just chatted and looked at, she showed me lots of photos and asked me lots of questions. And so we had lots to sort of talk about. And, um, Naomi's family, her adoptive parents were out. Well, I met them, but they decided to go out and just leave us alone to spend that time together, which was which was lovely as well. They were very welcoming and uh, they were obviously very supportive of us meeting. So it was actually a really, it was, you know, we were both a little bit nervous and what have you. It was, it was I guess, pent-up emotion to mm. a certain extent mm. that I always knew I'd meet her. Yeah. You know, there was never any uh, doubt that we would not ever connect again. Um, and, it, you know, it happened. Um, but there was always that feeling. So when we actually did meet, it was like, okay, this, this is good. This mm. is, yeah, this is meant to be. Yeah. And how, I mean, you obviously had thought about it through the years. I mean, because it was, was a, you know, almost 20 years before you actually got to see her. So what, like throughout the years, did you feel like there was just like a missing piece to the puzzle almost and you were just kind of like, well, I, you know? Yes, I, I think I always knew, well, as I said, I always felt that I would meet her one day. But, yes, definitely always in the back of my mind when her birthday would come around and things like that, I, I would remember and I would think think about her and uh uh, of course, I knew it was a girl. She, Naomi was a girl, a daughter. Um, and uh, so, you know, I always thought about it. And I would look at babies in prams and ones that looked like, you know, possible half Asian babies mm. and their parents mm. and things like that. So it was always there. I mean, I guess over time it faded to a certain extent. and uh, But it was always in the back of my mind. And, and again, it was something that was not discussed. It was a secret. It was, really was a secret for 20 years. Wow. No one knew. I didn't talk about it with anyone. Um, you, you know, I had a, an ex-partner who 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 knew and he kind of tried to throw it in my face at one time, mm. which was pretty uncomfortable. Um, and there was a few people that maybe had an inkling, um, but it was pretty much just sort of put to the side. And Naomi, uh, can I ask, how did your adoptive parents uh, react when you said, you know, that this was what you wanted to do, you wanted to find your birth mother and then you were going to meet? I mean, obviously they were very kind and understanding people, but how, how was their reaction? Well, they, yeah, so it was my adoptive parents, but also my step-parents because mm. they each remarried when I was mm. three. So I really grew up with my my dad and my stepmom. Mm. And then my mother who adopted me and my stepdad were still in Australia. But all of them um, were supportive and all of them, you know, wished the best for me. And, um, and when we finally did meet, um, 
you know, everybody wanted to meet Sue. Um, they were all very curious. They wanted to know more about Sue and they were happy for me to be able to learn about my background and be able to get more information mm. about where I came from and family history and health history. Um, but my dad, who I was quite close to, and I think that was the reason I moved to the States when I was three instead of staying with my adoptive mother is because I was closer to him than I was to her. Um, and he was in the States when we met, um, he's still there. So he was really excited also to meet Sue. And, um, and then they came to Australia, I think it was a couple of years after we met, um, and they, they met and, um, he said that was kind of a, a big, change or oh, it it just um it it was really important for him because we had a, a bit of a hard time during some of the years and he he said he understood me better as a person after meeting Sue <laughs> because he knew where I came from and what type of person I was it was you know that genetically there's some char- characteristics and traits that I have of Sue and um, I think they they thought I was a little bit of a, a rebellious type person at some stages of my life and too social and <laughs> too many friends and and um, but it was just me and who I was mm. and that um, Sue was very similar to that I believe also so um, so my dad went on and bought bought all these books about you know your natural parent that kids and their um, being adopted and he hadn't really done all of that kind of research before hmm. um, meeting Sue but um, yeah I think it helped everybody to know that to, to see where I sort of came from and yeah. to um, meet Sue and also the extended family I think a lot of people have met lots of people <laughs> within the family now. So um, <laughs> there's obviously yeah, a lot, like a lot to meet. Big, we're all one big family now, so, which is nice. Yes, my 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 husband at one stage had three mother-in-laws at his house at our apartment in in Sydney at one stage, staying with us, and he's like. <laughs> Okay, so sh- I'm trying to organize the coffees for each of them. He was just like, okay, this is this is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> one mother-in-law for a son-in-law is probably enough and a lifetime, let alone three and staying over at three. the same time. <laughs> yeah, it just happened to be everybody was in town on the same day, so it was... Um, that was a bit of a funny story for him. It's It's nice, though, that like there's none of that animosity you know years later that it's just nice that everyone can recognize that everybody is family doesn't matter how it started who lived where who's living where now that everybody is still one big family and it's just it's nice to have a big family that way regardless of where everybody came from and, and that's it. Blended families come in all shapes and sizes, whether they're, you know, stepchildren, adoptive parents, you know, gay couples, IVF, you know, all sorts of combinations these days of, of just creating families. And, uh, and, and certainly there is a big extended family. I come from a big family. So there's, you know, they've had children, there's lots of cousins. And then Naomi has cousins from 
you know the adopted uh, adoptive side and so you know there's there's lots of people around but we just for us it's normal in a way and I guess for a lot of other families that are blended to them it's normal other people might question it and think you know how does this one fit in and what's that connection and how does it all work but in a way because it has been 20 years that we've met everybody as we've gone along they've everyone's just kind of created it as as being a sort of a normal thing and like Naomi said she was originally from a very you know a blended family so it, it wasn't as though it was unusual. Mm. Which is is good. I mean, it sounds like it. It's a very you know good working uh, like great family. You know, you can get a small family that haven't got all the sort of side effects and everything like that that you have, and they don't get along. And look what you've created and worked through is amazing. It's wonderful. Very 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 inspirational. It's a good movie. I feel like there's yeah. a movie in this. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. And, you know, that's it. I mean, it's interesting that uh, because I, I did write about our story in, in, in my book, you know, I wrote, I wrote um, and it was basically a chapter in the book. And and I guess in a way that's why we're here today because there there has been, a, you know, information about that out there uh, but that was always what it was intended to be just a chapter and when you say like it's a movie and other people said oh you know you should write your memoir and this that and everything else but for me it was it was and the message I suppose is that um, you can move on from things so yes it was a chapter for Naomi it was a chapter for me and it was you know uncomfortable for us at the time and, you know, sad and all of those things that came out of that. But you can also move on from that and still mm. create a great, I mean, mm. it's created a, you know, wonderful family and a wonderful life and, mm. you know, so she hasn't been defined by what happened to no. her, by her her upbringing. And, and I guess, you know, neither have I to a certain extent. That's It is just a chapter and uh, that you can kind of, I mean, it's an important chapter. But, you know, you can move on from things and, and not let it define you. Mm. Yeah, which is nice and it's it gives hope for other other women or other families really in that sort of situation that, yes, it, it, you know, you can have a story like that and it, and it is. It's a story and it's a, it's a great story to be able to share. But it doesn't mean that just because that happened that your whole life has to be dictated by it. And That's right. You know, and it's nice that you've you you were confident enough to share that with other people because that doesn't happen very often. I wouldn't say I was confident, but <laughs> I decided that was what I wanted to do, and 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 basically to acknowledge that we are a family. The name is part of my family. I am, you know, her birth mother, and it was really just to say that rather than. You know, it was buried for 20 years and kept a secret for 20 years. So people have asked, oh, why did you do that? You know, airing a dirty laundry and things like that. That that has come up. But, and yes, sometimes there still is that, you know, guilt and embarrassment and shame and all of those things do raise their heads from time to time. But, you know, you have to kind of let that um go by the wayside and and our story has had a good ending a happy ending where mm. you know where we are happy uh, that we discovered each other um and not all of those stories do but like um you know you said before uh some smaller families don't get along and you know yeah. sibling rivalry and stepchildren and all of those horrible things that happen but um 
so, so you know, ours has been a happy ending, but it doesn't always happen for everybody. No, no. Well, I, I mean, clearly you wanted, you know, to make it work as well. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess because both of you, as you said, decided to find each other pretty much almost at the same time. So you, it wasn't like one was not and one was, you know, you were both on the same page and obviously that made a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Hmm. Yep. What is it like now? Obviously, Naomi, because you have a, a child yourself. So, do you feel like it's reframed the experience that you've had with Sue now having a baby yourself at all? Um, well, I, uh, I my pregnancy pretty much came unexpectedly too. So um, it came quite quickly after meeting my husband and um, he had two children already. So I instantly was a stepmother, just like my stepmom was a stepmother. And and then we had a a child together, um, Connor. And, um, but at the time I was, I was really lucky because I lived in Sydney and Sue lived in Sydney and so she was through the whole, she was there through the whole pregnancy with me. Um, and we used to do yoga and wine nights together. Actually, I didn't drink wine. We went to yoga together. And, and then um, Sue was at the birth of um, our son, Connor. So that's think, amazing. Um, like that's such a full, full circle moment to have that happen. It was. And so yeah. I had Sue and I had my husband there. Um, and then we lived in Sydney all together for, um, well, until about 10 years. Was in about, yeah, about 10 years or so. So they were very close in terms of um, being grandparents, Sue and her husband, Pete, and being grandparents to, to our son, Honor and they would help babysit and um, you know it was really nice to have that closeness together and share birthdays and and I I sort of felt from you know it was Sue missed out on that with me mm. and I I had that growing up but I had so many different people it wasn't a, a really close knit family I had lots of family family but everybody was kind of scattered a little bit um so yeah I think I I was it was a really nice time to be able to have um all live together in in Sydney together and um and Connor is was really close to Sue and Sue and Pete um and um you know Sue never had any other children so I think for her to see a baby and have him in her life, his whole life, mm. um, is pretty special too because, yeah. um, you know, it, it was right from a baby and she gave her first baby away. So mm, it was yeah. like, you know, I just think it was, it's just been really great for us to be able to, um, yeah, be together and be able to grow together now. And we do have distance between us. Um, but we sort of get together for most of the milestones if we can. 
um, special birthdays and graduations and weddings. We were at each other's wedding. We both read the same poem at each other's wedding. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of things that we've caught up on. Yeah. So we, we didn't see each other for 20 years, but making up for lost time. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what was it like for you, obviously becoming a grandma and, and being there at the time, like that must've been such a, a beautiful experience and kind of effectively maybe closing the chapter on sort of the experience you had of your birth, sort of being there for Naomi for hers. Yeah, it was wonderful, of course, being there and and uh, being there for Naomi and being part of it and, you know, seeing it all happen and being able to, you know, be the support person and, of course, holding him straight away when he was born. That was very special, you know, that that kind of bond happened straight away. So it was a, it was a, you know, it was a very, very special time to, to, to be part of that. And, and, uh, you know, I suppose babies in a way just, I don't know, they, they feel that maybe. And so there's always, there has been that, that bond between us and, you know, there's that unconditional love that you get from a, from a, a child, especially a grandchild, I mm. think, to a certain extent, because, you know, that you're not raising them, but they just, they, uh, they, uh, you know, they love you. Just you love yeah, they, they, just they love, love you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's been very special. It's been very special to be part of that, and um, it, it was emotional to a certain extent. But, but it was happy. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was quite a long, like a long labour. Yeah. <laughs> and I do remember, you know, Naomi screaming a lot, <laughs> and and you know, just like the mechanics of it all. That um, happens. Yeah, so, you know, that happens. Yeah. And uh, so, obviously, like I said, her experience was very different to mine. But it was, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be part of it and and to have Connor in our lives. I mean, Pete, his grandfather, just as much as you know, he he was there right at the beginning to hold him. And and as Naomi said, you know, those early years, he would you know come and stay at our place and have a sleepover. And uh, you know, a couple of times he pack his little bag and fly up to Queensland even in the early days but then you know he grows up in school and this that and everything else it doesn't happen so so much now but uh but it was wonderful and it's lovely it's still wonderful to have him in our lives and Naomi Mm. can I ask did you did you feel like you had to explain to Connor who Sue what like did that conversation ever happen or for him because they've always been in his life it's just like yes they're my grandparents kind of thing Yes, I, um, well, I think he, he, he always know, like he's always known he's got lots of parents and grandparents and people who love him and send him presents for his mm-hmm. birthday and Christmas and people coming in and out of his life. The more um, the merrier for them at that when age. he was in primary school. <laughs> um, at primary school, I remember he did have to do a project, you know, of his family tree. And he's like, how am I going to do this? No, it's got so many branches. <laughs> who, who do I put on there? <laughs> it's like a foldable. Who do I put on there? Like he didn't want, he didn't want, he didn't want to upset anybody and leave anybody oh, out. Sweet. And, and that's when I think he started to get detail of, you know, where he came from and how it all worked and. And he kind of never thought he had any Asian in him because he doesn't really look. He's got a, a, a little bit of a 
a little bit of olive skin, but he doesn't really look Asian at all. Yeah. And the eye a little bit, little bit shaped in the eyes, but I think he he got he got a better understanding of well where I came from, who he is, and um, and so yeah, I think doing that project, we sort of mapped everything out on a um, <laughs> on a board for him. That's probably a good way of him him obviously understanding and I I guess probably keeping it forever Mm. as well, which is nice. Yeah. And then I had to do another family tree or Sue actually did it for me when we, um, when he went to uh, school in Sydney to apply for a Scottish, you know, bursary. So so I had to, you know, we had to go back and explain where the Scottish side came from because he had only really, here's my accent and thinks it's all American, but I'm not American. I was born in Australia and, um, you know, I've got Asian in me, but he's actually Scottish, you know, <laughs> he's got Scottish background. So, um, and, and, and Irish too from, from Tim. <laughs> so t- Tim's got an Irish background. So he, um, so uh, yeah, he's definitely a little bit of a, a little bit of a mix too. Um, but he um, he understands. He can do a bit of a short version when people ask him. <laughs> so what you know, what's up with your mom and who, the who's a who? He can just kind of rattle it off pretty quickly now. <laughs> it so. must be hard for new people coming into the family to be like, "This is this one, and this is that." Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they're still friends of mine who are like, now how does that work? I'm sure you might have to have like a in at the front of the door, like that family tree maybe needs to be there, so everyone can just be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'll go back and have a quick look. What did you say? (laughs) And what what is your relationship? One one thing that was really go on, no, go on, you go. I was just going to say one thing. I um, I um. Before the first lockdown, I went to the state. That was last time I actually went to the States um, about three years ago or so. And I went to my husband, I went and Connor went to New York. And because um, we hadn't, I'd been there once before, but they hadn't been there. But my half sister, so I've got half siblings too. I've got five of them in the Philippines. And um, my half sister was living there and she'd been living there for like 10 years or something. And she's, quite a bit younger than me I think about 10 years younger than me anyways we found each other on Facebook and agreed to meet and met in Central Park and she Mm. was there with her husband and her dog and and we met and we had met once before when Sue and I went to the Philippines to meet my birth father um but she was like four years old then or five years old and um anyways as soon as we like kind of met each other we were like we kind of looked the same. We had the same hair, the same kind of coarse, thick hair. And, and then she, she like printed out this spreadsheet of, you know, color coded of, you know, bars and restaurants, shopping and things to do. And everything was very similar to To what you do, do Hmm. it. And we just also, yeah. So there was just this um, instant, we just got along really well. And I think genetically it's, you know, genetically, it was very, um, you can, we could, I could see how the genetics played a part in our, me and where I came from to meet her also. And so I'm sure there's other, she's got another sister who I'm sure were very similar also. Mm. So it's, it's funny when, you know, after 
after all these years to actually meet somebody who I never had a sister. So it was like to meet another female <laughs> who's kind of like me in a way. Yeah. Was, um, I, I really liked that. Yeah. What an incredible family. Goodness me. What was it like for you going on a trip together to, to meet your dad? Like that must have been just like an incredible <laughs> bonding experience for both of you, really. <laughs> Yeah, he's strange, but that's okay. <laughs> no, it was good. <laughs> and no, he, he was he was very happy to meet us and he was very happy to meet Naomi. And yes, we did have fun together. And we had, uh, well, Naomi had, um, well, a couple of half-brothers who were uh, a similar sort of age and friends. So she was able to spend a bit of time with them and see a little bit of, you know, Manila and kind of go out with them and everything as well. And we met the extended family. We met the parents and the mother and all of the children. Uh, and we had a few uh, meetings. We didn't have a lot. We weren't sort of with them every day. And there was a little bit of distance. But um, but Naomi's birth father was... Uh, he he was he was fine. He was really happy to meet us. And he you know tried to show us around and and welcome us as much as possible. So we actually had that time together, and uh, and then we did go on a little holiday together, just the two of us, outside of Manila to Boracay. And so you know we did have a bit of uh, time just together, just the two of us, um, as a little bit of a holiday as well. So that so that was really nice. So yeah, so it was it was really important, I think, for Naomi to to meet him and I guess close that chapter and to have, have that experience. Uh, and, you know, he still keeps in contact with Naomi from here and there, but but we haven't been back or Naomi hasn't been back either. Hmm. Amazing. That's amazing. Honestly. And what is your relationship like today? I mean, I, I know it's obviously good and, and wonderful relationship, but you know how 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 on a day to day basis is your relationship? Well, we have distance between us, which makes it a little bit more difficult to to. But we've at least we have that foundation, which is great. Uh, so we, as I said, we tried and obviously lockdown and mm-hmm. catching up has been difficult for everybody. Um, so we do we try to get to Sydney every so often uh, when there's something on. So we were lucky that we got down there in April for Connor's yeah. birthday. Uh, so that was the last time just before lockdown. Mm. So so maybe at least once a year or something, there's generally something on and, they've you know, they've been here as well. Uh, so generally we have been able to catch up and keep that going. Um, but we all lead busy lives as well too and Naomi works a lot on the weekends and so they're always busy. And, yes, Wagga is a little bit more difficult to get to the, um, to travel to. So we've done, I think, one road trip. We did one road trip and that was mm-hmm. fun. Oh, and I did there and I did a work thing that Naomi organised. Um, that was interesting, a presentation. She yes, was at Women in Business mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that that was can you can you say yeah. what what happened that was so interesting to read that yeah what, what, did, oh, yeah. did you see did you see the um the front the cover of the newspaper we were on the front cover of the newspaper is that what you saw oh, no we didn't see that no, no. That i didn't know i just i i think oh, with the, didn't see that? Oh. no wow that's amazing Oh. The local paper. In, well, we were on that, and then we were also in the Sydney Morning Herald. The Sydney so Morning Herald, we did in, see, um, yeah, yeah, that was 
Oh, you saw that too. Um, so Sue came down here. I was on the Women in Business WAGA committee um, for when I first came to WAGA, and that was a way for me to meet people. And all of a sudden, I was on the committee, and then I became president. <laughs> Anyways, we um, one of the workshops we had was personal styling and branding, and so I put forward Sue present that to our mentor group because um, our mentees. And so they agreed to that. So she came down and, and did these workshops. And then we had a, a, a dinner, um, which was open to all the members. Um, and that was hosted at Barambola Wines, where I now live. Um, but at the time, I didn't. Um, and we had, and it was also in conjunction, Sue was had just released her book, Impresario, so it was a little bit of a, a, a book tour, a book release for her. And so after 28 days, she, sorry, 28 years, she, um, she, she had me in this chapter. Um, so it hadn't really been officially announced as such. And we gave a book to all of those people who attended that night also. So at this dinner, um, Sue gave a presentation and I was there as part of the committee who organized the event. And she was talking about, you know, that things in your life you can move on from and it doesn't define you. And this was one example of what happened to her, um, that she had had a child when she was young and gave her up and, and um, talked a little bit about that. And then, um, and then she announced, um, and that person is here in the room today. So um, <laughs> she's like, Naomi, would you please stand up? So I stood up, and that was one of the def- a, a def- defining memory I have. Um, As it and would. people were just gobsmacked. They're I'm like, sure. oh my God, no way, because they, they kind of knew who I was. Well, they knew who I was. Um, they Some people actually had known about Sue too, because she used to live here in the eighties, which is another weird thing. Um, and, um, and there was a few journalists in the audience and that's sort of how this whole thing started. We made the front page of the (laughs) newspaper and then we did a bit of a radio interview and then the Sydney morning Herald picked it up. Um, so yeah, so that, that was, um, I think for Sue, you know, it, she talked about it in a book, she wrote it, but then it was publicly announced yeah. too. It must have so, been amazing uh, reaction from the and, audience. Yeah. Oh, they were just like, and then from that, I probably had about 10 to 15 people come up to me on the night saying how they were either adopted oh, wow, um, or that they were looking or that some had met, some had been rejected, um, you know, all different situations um, and wanted to share. They wanted to talk about it. People wanted to talk about it because a lot of people hadn't talked about it yeah. before. It's amazing. So think, it's amazing what opens you know, up. have kept yeah. secret. And, and that's in Wagga. Imagine, you know, no, in yeah. the city. So that was in the country area. So. It's amazing. Isn't it wonderful that Mm. you can open up a conversation like that and then what it leads to uh, must be awe-inspiring, you know, that maybe with what you did, other families, other children, parents have been connected. Uh, It's just just incredible. 
and most people are very accepting of it. Um, but there are also people who don't want to talk about it still and who don't accept it. So that is challenging, can be challenging. And we have, you know, um, we know people who have had really bad experiences and they wish they never, you know, wish they never went ahead and tried to search for their Mm. natural parents. Um, but as Sue said before, we're, we're lucky that we both wanted the same mm, thing, yeah. that we both were able to meet and we are very similar in ways and we enjoy spending time with each other. And That's nice. so, um, you know, we have it, we do have a good story, but yeah. It, you do. You have to sympathize sometimes with, pe- with people that don't, mm, haven't mm, had a, a yes. good experience. Yeah. And also sometimes people's reactions to the story. Uh, different so not not everyone's as um, open and accepting mm. there's still judgmental people out there as well um, so there's a little bit of that and a little bit of well, let's not even talk about it or you know why did you do that uh, so you know there's a little bit of that as well so we we tend well at least you know I guess I put it in my book and I wrote about it but I do not tend to talk about it publicly anymore I did it that one time and I thought mm, that's enough <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, here we are today. But, uh, but you know, it's, I guess it's different because this is about mothers and daughters and it's predominantly, you know, what this is about. But I guess I don't talk about I don't need to talk about it, but we know our relationship mm. and uh, it's out there and it's fine and yeah. I'm happy it's out there. That's lovely. But I also don't need to kind of revisit it all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I mean, we thank you for your honesty. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. It's incredible. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful story. Well, before we wrap up, we're going to do the all about us segment. So one word to describe yourselves when you were teenagers, whoever wants to go first. Headstrong. <laughs> Independent. Very good. And one word to describe your relationship in adulthood after meeting. Oh, I think uh, friendly, warm, yeah. I'd say growing. That's nice. What characteristics do you think she has of you, Sue? Um, Well, obviously that we talked about some of the physical characteristics, Mm. so certainly, uh, you know, face shape, body, movement, a lot of those physical kind of characteristics um, are definitely there. But, But I also think, you know, we've got similar interests, we've had similar interests, this is not one word, um, no, similar no, no, interests, you know, we enjoy the same things, we enjoy the same things. Uh, so uh, characteristics are, that I, I think may, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but we no, have um, similar similar interests. And, and Naomi, what characteristics do you think you got from your mum? Um, so... I think um, like style and poise, um, determination, the independence, um, the headstrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I think all of those sort of characteristics. I know it gets Um, me sometimes. Don't worry. Yeah, and then there's a lot of. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard one. And then a lot of yeah, the, the the physical physically we're we we are quite 
similar um, in the way we present ourselves to. What's the most memorable moment in your relationship? I mean, you might have just talked about it earlier when you you were announced in Wagga. That's pretty memorable. Yeah. Well, no, that wouldn't be. I say meeting. For me, it was obviously meeting. That was obviously a very memorable moment, meeting each other. And for me, the second thing would be um, being there, Connor, being, mm. yes, as we kind of said, that full circle almost. But uh, so that would be the two things that stand out for me. Yeah. Yeah, my mine would be meeting too as number one. And the second one would be that, um, that dinner that we had here at uh, – Rambler 28 years later. <laughs> and who gives the best advice? Do you give each other advice or you just talk to each other? Yeah, no, I don't think we give each other advice too much. Maybe if I'm asked for advice, I'll give it. But tend not to give unsolicited advice, maybe. Maybe earlier on when, you know, relationships and different things were going on. Uh, but not so much now, I don't think, Yeah. Yeah, I don't really feel like I give advice, but I've asked for opinions and feedback from Sue um, on particularly on, um, you know, fashion and style, um, on health and wellness, because she's been, you know, she's she's been a presenter. She she presents herself well. I'm I've been in the me- been in the media and marketing. So um and that's her business too. So the um, the advice that I've had is more about, um, yeah, different aspects mm. of fashion mm. and she's lent me different clothes mm. and more recently actually for my birthday, was it last year? She did my um, color, color chart for me. So that was quite a process oh, nice. in terms of um, that was – you know, we went through a lot of detail to get to get the um, advice on sort of what colors and um, that I should wear and, um, you know, your hair coloring and makeup and all sorts of things. And um, so that was I think that's advice that she's mm. given me. So it's more have been it's been around that sort of type of information. And how many times yeah. a day do you call each other, do you think? Well, we don't call daily. Yeah. Uh, um, so we, we don't call daily, but I mean, we try and catch up every couple of weeks. We, you know, text and what have you, and no, send photos and different things. So we kind of know what's going on in each other's lives. Uh, we're certainly across what's happening, um, but we we don't get on the phone every day. And, and but when we do, um, we tend to have a long conversation and catch up with everything. So it's just, I guess, finding that time to do it well you, you're obviously very busy yeah. women yeah. Uh, it's hard it's hard would would one call more than the other or it's very yeah. equal for me, me, me. Yeah. I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's pretty equal we yeah we've yeah. never called we've never talked daily like I heard your podcast with you two talking to each other and you call you know four times a day literally a day. I called her I on the a, way another girlfriend on like I called her on the way over here like I'm, I, like, I'm going to see her and I'm in like, all of 10 I'm minutes seeing you in a second do you know what I mean yeah I'll see you in a second it's like okay why'd you call but that's okay <laughs> no she was very sweet she's like a, do I, I have another girlfriend yeah. who <laughs> 
go on. Sorry, go on. Um, but we, yeah, we call with infor- we call with information. Like we call to to either organize something or to talk about something pretty specific. We don't just call to randomly chat as such. Um, but I probably text and send messages and photos because mm. I'm on my phone quite a lot. Um, and I find it sometimes easy just to, to make sure I send a little message to, to know, That's I nice. guess, to let Sue know that I'm thinking about her or something. Oh, it's lovely. But we've got this te- whole telepathic thing happening too. So quite often I will call and she's like, I was just thinking of you. I was just about to oh, call wow. you. Or that happens all the time. We're thinking of each other at the same time. Mm. And then one of us will call and we'll tell each other that we're just about to call. Yeah, and, yeah. I think that and, happens. Yeah, it I, does. I, I like believe in that. A week or what? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we've always... We've always stay connected. That open communication. That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because you were always, before you met, you were probably always thinking about each other, any, you know, anyway. So, and that's probably just continued on in your relationship. And now you have the opportunity to to speak. And, you know, when you are thinking of of each other. So I think that's really, that's that's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say what what a treat, what a yeah. what thank you so much for your time and your wonderful story and how it's so nice to see a happy ending. Yeah. I it's true. you know, I think that's really you know, the the big message that comes out of it that yeah, it's 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 a lovely outcome for mm. you both. Yeah. Thank you. It's nice to share no, it and thank you. thanks to Naomi for been here as well and yeah we've it's been fun so thank, thank you. you guys it's been really, really oh, no, it's a pleasure. well hopefully you get yeah, to see I've each really other soon experience yes and uh yes uh, we're working you, on it yes yeah it looks like it looks like you'll be able to get together which is so nice happy reunion yes. when yes, you see each other we've got something planned hopefully for january lovely so, nice lovely. enjoy looking forward to it well enjoy yeah. Enjoy the rest of your week and thank and you here. so very much. Thanks for your time. Bye. Okay, thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.